God is the only one we can, by faith, rely on to be always faithful. Instead of placing faith in our own resourcefulness, God invites us to trust in His unending resources. Welcome and thank you for joining us today for the Bread of Life. Our desire is to build you up in that faith that will trust God for everything. Now here's our Bible teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Understanding the holiness of God is so far beyond us that in taking up such a consideration, we cannot rush ourselves. We must go slow. We are making our way into dangerous ground. God is not domesticated. He is wild and to be approached very carefully, especially when contemplating His holiness. I want to read to you Isaiah 8:13, very short verse. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Well, let's look to the Lord's word and let's continue now our consideration of the holiness of God and understand how that will impact our life of holiness. That will be the theme that we'll be pursuing for some Sundays ahead. And this is what we've learned so far. What we've learned so far is that holiness is a term that is used to refer to God's complete otherness. There are other attributes of God that we may begin to comprehend and understand because they have some small analogy in ourselves, because we were made in God's image. So we may begin to understand God's justice because we have an instinct for justice. We may begin to understand God's love because we have an instinct for love. It has some parallel within ourselves as we were made. We may begin to understand certain attributes of God that we say are incommunicable. Those are things that are true of God that are not in any way true of ourselves. But we can understand them because there is some logical parallel that our minds can grasp. The idea that God is infinite is a notion that, in a sense, we can gain or understand by just considering the math, you might say, the logic of it. The idea that God is omnipresent in every place. At least the concept comes through to us in some way, and logically, whether we can understand it or fully grasp it, there's a point at which we can correspond to that idea. It's not the case with God's holiness. The very word for holiness means incomprehensibly other. There is no parallel of logic. There's no analogy of his own image in us that helps us grasp and understand what it means that God is completely and totally other. If you take all of God's attributes and you let them shine out in full intensity like an infinite sun blazing out upon you, you have something of the idea of God's holiness. You can't approach this holiness. You can't even safely or directly look upon this holiness that is God, but this holiness is what, in a sense, radiates all the attributes of God towards us with power, with laser power, and at the same time as He brings all these attributes towards us in the channel or the blaze of His holiness, He brings with it all of his life and all of his blessing and all these things become a benefit to us an example like this would be this you can't approach the sun you cannot come near the sun without being destroyed 
you can't even look directly at the sun, at least not for long, or you'll blind yourself. But the sun, in all of its radiant power, brings you life. And although you cannot approach it and come near it, you cannot exist without it. And this is a small, minuscule analogy of the way in which the holiness of God is brought before us. God is completely and incomprehensibly other from us. We've read Revelation 15.4 where we read that God alone is holy. Holiness, complete and distinct otherness, belongs to God alone. We've also stated that because of this, because of this, in a sense, supra-attribute that we cannot comprehend, because it sweeps beyond our minds, for God to communicate His holiness to us, He does it not, in a sense, by language, but He does it by demonstrating His holiness in physical manifestations and by letting us see the reaction of men when they come against a brush of God's holiness. And in the Scripture, when you read it, Usually, the normal way in which God manifests this holiness is in fire. And when men come before this fire, their response is to cower or to faint dead away. It's to cover their eyes. It's to collapse upon the ground. Elijah senses the presence of God in a whispered voice. The holiness of God in a whispered voice. And Elijah wraps a mantle around his face so they cannot see we watch their reactions. We see how they respond. Daniel says that all his comeliness came to him like death or the pallor of death. John, who saw the Lord Jesus in his holy presentation at the first chapter of Revelation, says he fell before him as though he were dead. That's the response. God is communicating himself, and he communicates himself in such a way through these expressions to demonstrate his holiness. And as we said, when God expresses Himself most often in His holiness, it comes to us as fire. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Holiness is that fiery intensity of God that separates Him as God from all His creation. It's that thing in God that makes God completely and totally other or separate from all other things and distinguishes from, from all the things and keeps the approach of all other things from coming near to him. Exodus, we have the story of Moses coming to the burning bush. It actually is the first encounter in which you might say this holiness of God is clearly made known to us as an attribute or expression of who God is. Moses sees this bush be burning with fire and yet it's not consumed and it attracts him to it. But as he's drawing near, God speaks out of the bush and says, Moses, stop. And then he says, Moses, take off your shoes for you're on holy ground. The very fire that drew him for a moment at the same time was a fire that required that he cease progressing any further. But remain distant and remain back as he comes before God. Now God is a God of relationship. And God seeks a relationship with us. And the question we have to ask is, how is it that we can come into the presence of this infinite sun of fiery holiness and live? If God wants a relationship with us, how do you have a relationship with fire like this that we've just described? The Bible says of God that He dwells in unapproachable light. That is, 
that it's an expression of the unapproachable light of the blazing fire of his holiness. Now, how is that overcome? How do we get past that so that we can come into his presence and enjoy him and know him? Well, what we said a couple of weeks ago and emphasized last week is that the only thing that can exist in fire is fire. And so what God does is God confers, the holy God confers upon his people holiness. He confers and he sets fire of his own holy life upon us so that we may come into his presence. That's what happens when you become a believer and you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. At that moment, God pours upon you his Holy Spirit. God puts upon you fire. In a sense, he makes you and wraps you in his own fire so that you can be in his presence and live and be with him. Think about it for a second. When God came after that time in which God revealed himself in that burning bush to Moses, and God continually began to express himself and reveal himself to the nation of Israel as the holy God, God continued to manifest himself in fire, a fire that swept down between them and the advancing Egyptian army and drove them back, a fire that led them as a pillar into the wilderness, a fire that came down upon Mount Sinai, and God spoke from the fire his Ten Commandments, and the people trembled, and they said, Moses, don't let God speak to us again or we're going to die. Then God instructed Moses, I want to manifest or express my holiness among the presence of the people, so I want you to construct a tent. It's what we call the tabernacle. And there in that tent, I want you to dedicate it as a place of worship to me in the midst of the people of Israel. And Moses constructed it by the design and pattern that God gave him. And then Moses, before the people, dedicated that temple. And do you know what happened? Fire came down upon that temple. And God demonstrated that he was placing his presence, his holy presence, his fire among the people of Israel. And then later, God instructed, once Israel came into the promised land and occupied that promised land, the time came when God instructed Solomon to build a temple. Instead of a tent, a temple was built. And Solomon dedicated that place. And Solomon prayed over that place. And what happened? Fire came down upon the temple. So that all the singers and all the priests were driven back from their expressions of worship, it says. God was making his holy presence known upon them. God was manifesting something of his holiness. The church, the very day in which the church was inaugurated in the book of Acts chapter 2, as the people were gathering together and praying all in one place, what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out upon them as tongues of fire, and the church was formed. Ephesians chapter 2.20 says that we, as the church, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Built, it's the idea of being a temple. Peter says that we're living stones being built up into a holy temple. It says we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus being the chief cornerstone a holy temple unto the Lord. In that temple, God sends his fire. Speaking to us personally and individually, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19, to teach us that our bodies, the bodies of the believers in Jesus Christ, are temples of the Holy Spirit. God, the holy God, lives in us and in our bodies. He lives inside this body. Just as fire came upon the tabernacle in Moses' day, 
And fire came upon the temple in Jerusalem in Solomon's day. So holy, the holy fire of God's own presence and life came upon you and me on the day that we gave ourselves in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And that fire came upon us so that enclosed and enveloped and filled by that fire, we may live in the presence of a holy God and not be destroyed. Now listen, here's where we're going. Here's a point I want to underscore, and let's make this our first point. Maybe you've surmised this already from what we've said over the last two times. But let me point it out to you again. It, to me, this is so wonderful. It is so profound. I want you to see this. It's very interesting. Do you see that this notion that's developed, and it's being developed in God's Word, and you can read through it out at this. You'll see where God's holiness is repelling man, and at the same time, God's holiness is beckoning man. God's holiness shines to Moses, and he wants to approach. God's holiness speaks to Moses and says, stay back. God invites the nation of Israel to himself. He comes down to Mount Sinai so that he knows what kind of relationship they might have with him in covenant. God comes upon the mountain, and then God says, don't come near. And then God says, come up into the mountain. The very fire of God's holiness that drives us away and keeps him completely distinct from us is also the fire by which God makes it possible for us to be near him and with him. God's holiness repels all that is not of God so that he alone is holy. This is the irony of it all, yet here we see that this holiness that separates us from God and keeps man at a distance from God is also the very thing that God uses to bring us near to him. So the holiness of God that we must learn to fear is also that holiness we must learn to trust through Jesus Christ and trust that it will draw us near. Thanks for listening into the Bread of Life. To access an archive of these messages, go to breadoflifeboise.org. There you can also learn about our overseas work around the world and find out about our mission fellowship in Boise, Idaho. Until next time, may God bless you.